0: Today on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. God the Son goes to the same mountain and is there on that peak called Golgotha that He's going to die. Sacrifice His Son, His only Son, for you. He died for you. Very personal. If you had been the only one on the planet, if I had been the only one, He would have died for me. So do you consider your life valuable? There, God puts a price on it. His own son's death for you. Zion, I
1: built with hands And in this place, God will dwell with man Sick, be healed, and the crippled standing Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice
0: for everyone Faith, hope, love, and harmony let this world
1: know me by your love welcome to another day of study in the word here on growing grace with pastor ed ray pastor ed is the senior pastor at the packing house christian fellowship in redlands and for the next several broadcasts pastor ed will concentrate on the prayer of jesus in john chapter 17 You know, prayer should be much more than just a repetition of certain words before a meal, and it should be more than a last resort in times of trouble. So let's join him as he reads this beautiful prayer Jesus prayed the night before his arrest and crucifixion.
0: We're working our way through the Bible verse by verse. We're in John chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus is speaking, actually he's praying. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life. A gift that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Wow, big thought. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have surely known that I have come forth from you, and that they have believed that you sent me. And I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, And all mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we we thank you for this prayer recorded for us, that you, God the Son, are praying to God the Father. We sense that there's great depth here, Lord, and great breath, and we sense that you want us to understand at least a small part of it here. Scratch the surface. Speak to us now, we ask, by your Holy Spirit, that we might leave this place differently than the way we came in. Do that, we ask, in Jesus' name and all of God's children, agreed by saying, amen. Amen. Today, as obvious from the section we just read, we're focusing on prayer and This is a prayer from the lips of Jesus, unusual in Scripture. There's only 658 words in it. You can say it in less than three minutes, the whole chapter 17. We'll only do about half of it today. But I think it'll take all eternity for us to understand what's here. We'll only get a little bit of it, I promise you today. There's just too much. Not just another chapter in the book of John, as we've been going through it. It's been called the pinnacle, the the peak, the high ground of John's gospel. Some have even go so far to say that it is the most important chapter in the whole Bible. John Knox, the great reformer, Scottish reformer said, It was that for him. In fact, he said it was the place where I first cast my anchor. Interesting way of saying this is the chapter that he found salvation, a relationship with God because of it. Perhaps the greatest prayer Jesus prayed ever recorded anyway. I have a little computer program that I ran real quickly and according to it, there's 650 plus prayers in the Bible. That's a lot of prayers. But no other prayer comes close to this one because of what it is. God the Son praying to God the Father. God prays to God. Strange thought? It is a little bit, but it reveals to us a great deal about the character, the thinking, the personality of the Trinity, God himself. So here we go, someone said, inside the Holy of Holies behind the veil, and see the heart and soul of God. This is actually the Lord's Prayer. Now, I say that not trying to diminish at all Matthew chapter 6, where we call it the Lord's Prayer, our Father, that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But I say that's a disciple's prayer, because at the end, we pray, forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses as we've Forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus obviously didn't have any sin, so he doesn't pray it that way. But this is the way he does pray. And he is giving for us prayer in probably the purest form in all of Scripture. Again, the Holy Spirit has preserved for us the prayer, it would appear in its entirety john is an old man by the time he writes this down it's been more than 40 years probably more than 50 years since he heard jesus pray this he's standing right there as one of the disciples the youngest of them he lived to be almost 100 so he wrote this down in the city of ephesus over on the turkish coast and it was there that he recorded his gospel his letters, three of them, and then we'll see when we get to the last book in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, he wrote that too. So, there are two other short prayers in this gospel that Jesus prayed. One of them is that Lazarus tomb, and he prayed, Father, I know you always hear my prayers. Pretty short. But then in chapter 12, it's the same really prayer we find here. Father, glorify your name. And which is an idea we'll look at pretty closely here. So he prays for himself in the first five verses. He prays for his disciples, the 11, but by extension, you, all of us, all of those who will call ourselves by the name of Jesus. We are Christians, we say, Christ's life. Those who have asked him to forgive their sins and have confessed him as Lord of their lives. And then he prays for future believers, people that will be affected by the 11 who wrote to us and lived their life out in such a way that it's affected our lives so that we can be witnesses to testify, to display, to put God on display by our own lives. This is headsy stuff. Now, if you're just joining us, we've worked our way through this sermon, actually, up until this point, it starts in chapter 13. Jesus is in the upper room. It's sometimes called the upper room sermon or the last supper sermon. And you'll remember there, he got down on his knees and he washed the feet of his own disciples and he taught them how to be a servant. And then as you work your way through it, it says he, he leaves the upper room with his disciples and they walk across Jerusalem towards the garden of Gethsemane. This is the night before he dies. He's going to be dead within 12 hours from what we're reading. And as they pass the temple, there's this gigantic gate on what was called Herod's temple then. And on it was a vine, a grapevine. And it had huge clusters of grapes on it. As big as a man is tall, Josephus wrote the historian. He saw it. And the clusters were made out of solid gold just hanging there. So when the sun hit it in the morning, it would shoot off light in all different directions. And the rest of the building was white marble, so it was pretty spectacular to look at. Of course, we have lasers, so nothing today, but it was a big deal then, right? But he looks at the vine and he says to his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches. And one of seven statements that he makes about who he is. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So then they walk past the temple, and they come up to the gate, the eastern gate, the golden gate, the one that he had come in on, a donkey, just a little while before. We call it Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. And now he's standing there, and he's going to go down the hill into the Kidron Valley, up into the Garden of Gethsemane that overlooks the city. And it's there that he'll be arrested. In sixty minutes, it sounds, if we take verse one literally, which I think we're supposed to. It is a prayer for you on your behalf. He says he's praying for you. Two other places, Hebrews 7:25. He is able for all time to save those who are who approach God through him, through Jesus, since he is always living to make intercession for them god the son prays to god the father he's in the throne room they're probably just talking right but he says frank have you considered frank my servant this week did you see how he shared with that person give him more strength lord he's having a tough time with the guys at work and and on and on he prays for each one of us aren't you glad Romans 8, 34 says almost the same thing. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, and who sits at the right hand of God the Father, who indeed intercedes for us. So he's praying for us specifically now, but this is the first one that we know about. So we'll jump in to him praying for himself in verse 1. And it starts with, he spoke these words. And he lifted up his eyes to heaven. So they're walking along. They stop, overlook the Kidron Valley. And while he's standing, he starts praying. He lifts up his eyes. And he says, Father, the hour has come. This is it. I I think we're supposed to take that literally. In the next 60 minutes after that, he's going to be arrested and taken before Pilate after going to the high priest. So he's standing on Mount Moriah, the edge of it, the same place where Abraham took his son, Isaac. And God said, take your son, your only son, and go to this mountain that I'll show you and there sacrifice him. But it was just a picture of what's happening right here. God, the son, goes to the same mountain and is there on that peak called Golgotha that he's going to die. Sacrifice his son, his only son, for you. I'll just let it hang. Hang. He died for you, very personal. If you had been the only one on the planet, if I had been the only one, you would have died for me. So do you consider your life valuable? There God puts a price on it. His own son's death for you.
1: Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace, and please keep listening as Pastor Ed has much more ground to cover here in John chapter 17.
0: He lifted up his eyes to heaven. Now, I grew up in a denominational home, went to a parochial school where they taught us to pray, and for them, position was everything. So here he is standing and he's looking, his eyes are open evidently but we were taught as kids you know you put your hands together like this and you have to keep your fingers pointing up because you want your prayers to go to heaven but if you do this they go to the wrong place just so you know okay and and then we're told to lock our fingers lock our hands together so we can be locked in with god but i think it was more like keep your hands together so you don't slug the kid next to you that kind of a thing so they thought position was perfect We came across this great story about three pastors and they're they're talking in one of the pastor's office and in the next office right next to them there is a telephone repairman and they're talking about prayer and the first one says you got to stand that's the way jesus did it here in john 17 he stood and he looked up to heaven that's the only way you can pray the second one said no i I beg to disagree you got to have your knees involved you got to have some knee time to really reach god Thurberon says, No, no, no. It's face down on the carpet. It's carpet time. That's how God listens to you. And finally, the repairman, the telephone guy says, "Uh, I can tell you the best prayer I ever did was hanging from a telephone pole. And I found it to be true. I was changing the light bulbs over in the uh, old sanctuary a long time ago. And one of the guys came up. I'm up there 45 feet in the air on this ladder that's aluminum. And and he thought he'd be funny. He came up and rattled the ladder. And I prayed, oh my goodness, I was in direct contact with God. I know he heard every word. Dear God! (laughs) So it may not be the position that's important, but Jesus is standing here, looks up, his eyes are open. He says, the hour has come. This is it. Glorify, glorify. That's a weird word. That's a word that we don't really use in everyday common speech. It's a very religious word, but it means to display. Display yourself. Glorify your son. Glorify me, he said, that your son may glorify you, may display you to the world. He's saying the cross is going to be the instrument of death that in fact becomes the platform to show the world God's love. You see, God's love was misunderstood. They look at Moses up on Mount Sinai And the mountain is covered with smoke and there's lightning and there's earthquakes. God must be angry. No, no, he's not. He's just showing his glory. He was showing his weight, how important he is. That's what's going on here. The hour has come, glorify your son. Now, glory literally means weight, something that is heavy. And, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and forgive me, those of you that are younger, but you don't really understand language. You know, in those days, if you really liked something that was really important, you said, man, that's heavy. That's the word glory. You know, my grandson said, oh, grandpa, that guitar is sick. Sick. There's no power in sick. <laughs> you need a power word. Something that's full of weight. This is this word, weight. Glory. Something has worth. That's the Old Testament word glory. It's kabod. That's a nice sounding word, right? That's heavy. God's heavy. In the New Testament it's doxa, like doxology. And it means saying out loud somebody's worth. How important they are to you. So both words really fit to display who God is. Now, those of you that go to church regularly you you know i'm i'm kind of into science i was a, a scientist for years and so i think in physical science verse two as you have given notice the word given the word will appear 17 times in this section it's all about a gift in this case father god you have given him authority you've given the son jesus christ Authority, exusa is the word. It means that the ability to make a decision. You have exusa. God, the Holy Spirit, has given you exusa if you've received Christ. You have free will and you can exercise it. That He should give eternal life to as many as you have given Him. God has given you, God the Father has given you to God the Son and Holy Spirit. So that you can become a representative, a displayer of his glory in the world. That's where this whole thing is going. Then he wants us to understand that he is using us and it's a gift. We don't earn it. It's given to us freely. So 11 apostles there and as many as given him. But he's not talking about the 11. He's talking about you. Because they will influence, as we're reading one of the apostles, the youngest one, John, this gospel is him telling us what Jesus has prayed so we would understand God's heart towards us. Now, he'll pray for the whole world down in verse 20 and 21, because you are going to be an influencer. That's a hot word today, right? On social media. No, this is the real eternal influencer. That's what God is calling you to be. And this is eternal life. I know what eternal life is. He live forever, right? Not quite. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is a Greek word, nosko, that they would know. And it means by experience. You see, you don't only get to know God by experiencing him, by having interaction with him. It's like the marriage. You know, those of you that are married... It's not marriage isn't measured in years, although some people do it that way. Well, you know, we've been married for 47 years or whatever. It's really not quantitative. It's qualitative. You see, God has called you to fall in love with each other and become one flesh. And you become more knowing by experience that person I just love to, to watch, you know, people in their 90s and, and older that are holding hands. And they understand that it's qualitative. It's not quantity. Oh, yeah, there are years involved. But it's the quality of becoming closer and closer and closer and understanding each other. Now, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, we're all flawed. But that's what he's talking about. And he's going to talk about that oneness in just a minute. So the only true god that you might know him and this is eternal life you get eternal life by coming to know god how do you start you say god forgive my sins take my life i surrender that's the beginning so don't make this too complicated that they might know you that you might know like two people that are in love come to know each other closer and closer the longer they walk together. Verse four, I have glorified you. There's that word. I have displayed you, Jesus praying. I've shown the world what Father God is like. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. On the cross, he will say a, a single Greek word, die. and it means it is finished. In other words, he will die on the cross and pay the penalty for my sin and yours so that he could say, I've done it, it's all done. We found all kinds of receipts on papyrus that said, Tetelestai, I'm paid in full. Your debt. You see, there's a debt involved with breaking God's law, with breaking into the area of sin. Somebody has to pay for it. Laws have consequences. You know, it, laws without consequences are like stop signs in Yucaipa. It's you know, just casual advice. Nobody really takes the stop sign. Seriously. I was talking to a lady after the last service, she said, Hey, I got pulled over in your type for running the stop sign. I said, What'd you do? And when the cop came up, he said, Lady, you didn't stop. He said, Oh, I stopped. I just didn't want to park. How long did you want me to wait? And he started laughing and he let her off. <laughs> Take that, use it. <laughs> Might be helpful someday. But Consequence. What are the consequences of running a red light or a stoplight or a stop sign? Well, maybe there aren't any cops there, but what's the other consequence? Grandma flying through at 80, and she T-bones you like somebody did me here a year ago out on the corner. Just red light? Ah, it's just casual advice. I'm going through it. Okay, I have glorified you. I have finished the work which you have given me to do, the cross, and now, oh Father, verse 5, Glorify me together with yourself. Display me, display to the world yourself through me, the glory which I had with you before the world was.
1: Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, Just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. You know, it takes a team to bring Growing Grace to you. And we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, This is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zihon, I hope now built with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the cripples stand singing. Hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your love.